Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share, download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks, guys. Hello, everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives that you are walking by faith and not by sight, you, my friend, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, we are going to jump right on into it today because today is all about you cannot love this world. Amen. Father, In the name of Christ Jesus, we love you and we honor and revere your holy name. Father, may your kingdom come. You tell us to not love this world. 1 John 2, 15 says, Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone, Father, you said if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, which is a craving for sensual gratification, and the lust of the eyes, which is greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, which is assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. You said these do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And the world passes away and disappears, and with it the forbidding cravings, the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides, remains forever. Amen. Father, This is telling us you hate pride. And yes, pride does come in many colors. Father, I pray that 
today's lesson and exhortation. Sober up your people that we cannot be in bed with this world and be deceived enough to think that we will have fellowship with you and Jesus at the same time. It is not possible. Father, I ask for wisdom. I ask for clarity of your word. May the Holy Spirit move on me. Give me your words to, to say and to convey to your people that we must come out from among, amongst this world and that we are to be separated from this world, set apart so that we can hear what it is you are calling us to do. Because, Father, we know that there is much work to do in the harvest. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. But most of all, thank you for sending us Jesus to save us from our sins and from your wrath to come. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. So absolutely, we cannot be partakers of this world. We must no longer be conformed, conformed to the patterns and the dictates of this world. Jesus delivered us from the bondage of sin. And everything that is in the world, it is solely based on your on lust, your lust of your eyes, the lust of your flesh, and the pride of life. And that is the part that I wish to hone in on today, the pride of life. Because my friend... The pride of life will get you every time. Yeah, because when pride is a part of the e equation, we see ourselves as greater than we are. It puffs us up. We look at our abilities and achieve achievements in a glorified light that places us on a pedestal above everyone else. And that is where we run into trouble with the Lord. We become increasingly obsessed with success and being the best. And that's a problem, friend. I know I can hear it. Don't God want me to... Be the best that I can be. Don't God wants me to have the best life ever? No. God wants you to repent. That's what he wants from every single man on this earth and woman. Because Acts 17, 30 to 31 tells us that in times past, God winked at our ignorance. But now 
He commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has set a day. He has set a day of judgment that he will, in fact, judge the inhabited world in righteousness. And he has pointed a man, a man to judge the world. He has, he has appointed the Lord Jesus Christ who laid down his perfect life for the sins of many. And so God has appointed Jesus to be the judge on judgment day, sitting on the great white throne to judge the unsaved dead for their works that have been recorded in the books that Revelation 20 11 to 15 speaks of, so yes, and the evidence of, <clears throat> of the fact that Jesus will be the judge, the evidence is that God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus is alive, folks, today, still. 2,000 plus years later, the Lord Jesus Christ is sitting in heaven at the right hand of God the Father, in heaven, awaiting to make his enemies his footstool, and he is also interceding. He's praying for us that we, <clears throat> excuse me, that we do not go back into sin and that we don't fall away from the faith because Satan is looking to sift us, all of us, as wheat. And so, among the many sins that we are exhorted to stay out of, pride is one of them. Boasting, being arrogant, being conceited and, and self-appointed as if you are the end all, the be all. So we are going to be looking at some scriptures today. The Apostle Paul speaks to this in Romans 12, 3, when he says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Amen. Folks, listen, pride causes us to assess our lives by the standard of our accomplishments rather than our God-given identity. When pride flourishes, every victory, whether big or small, is attributed to our own greatness. In other words, we see ourselves in this great, big, magnified light. Meanwhile, we are gravely deceived. Amen. And even if you have great accomplishments, you never give the glory to God for he has given you that brain. He has given you hands and feet to get whatever tasks you have accomplished done. 
we are so puffed up in our own egos that we actually think that we pulled ourselves up by our own boot bootstraps and that we are self-made. And that's a problem. That's a problem. And it's most assuredly a problem if you have professed and confessed Jesus as your Savior. Because folks, if no one has ever told you this, well, let me be the first one to enlighten you. It ain't about you. In this kingdom, <laughs> okay, it is so not about you. It ain't about me. It is all about Christ Jesus. He alone gets the spotlight, the highlight, and, and the limelight. He is supreme. Christ is supreme. He is preeminent. So, as they say, the world do not revolve around you, Miss Missy. My brother, it does not. It don't matter how many degrees you have. It don't matter how many businesses you have developed. It don't matter how much you put in the hard work to get that billion dollar contract. It is still so not about you. Because see, in the world, oh, it's all about them. It's all about what they have accomplished, what what higher education they have learned. It's all about them and their own self-righteous ambitions. For them, it is dog-eat-dog. Dog. For them, it is every man for himself. That's for those who are in the world, but you, child of God, it is all about Jesus and, and serving and helping your fellow man. So, in this kingdom, pride has no place at all. So, rather than giving praise to God for the blessings he that he is bringing, we redirect our worship to ourselves. And again, that's a problem. Paul tells us about the wisdom of God and tells us we are to boast in the Lord, folks. We are not to boast in our accomplishments. And then we, we take these uh, trophies, we take these accolades, we take all of these cert certificates of achievements and put them on the wall and invite people to come over so that they can look at it and be in awe of all of your accomplishments. Because the pride of life always want worship. The person who is prideful in their accomplishments love the applause of men. They will do anything to keep them in the spotlight. So, 
let us look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 17. Because, see, Paul is going to tell us what we are to boast in. And guess what? It is not about us. It's not about our accomplishments. Because, but for the grace of God, you woke up today. But for the grace of God, he did not kill you while you were still knee deep in sin. So again, we have nothing to boast about. So let's find out what we should be boasting about. Look, Paul goes on to say in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians, For Christ did not send me as an apostle, to baptize, but commissioned and empowered me to preach the good news of salvation, not with clever and eloquent speech as an orator, amen, so that the cross of Christ would not be made ineffective, deprived of its saving power. Amen. Amen. So, the wisdom of God. I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible today, verse 18, 1 Corinthians. For the message of the cross is foolishness, absurd, absurd, and illogical to those who are perishing and spiritually dead. Why? Because they reject it. But to us who are being saved by God's grace, it is the manifestation of the power of God. 4 verse 19, it is written and forever remains written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the philosophy of the philosophers, and the cleverness of the clever, who do not know me, I will nullify. Amen. Where is the wise man, philosopher? Where is the scribe, scholar? Where is the debater, orator of this age? Has God not exposed the foolishness of this world's wisdom? Yes, for since the world through all its earthly wisdom failed to recognize God, God in his wisdom was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached regarding salvation to those to save those who believe in Christ and welcome welcome him as Savior. Amen. So we see that the wisdom of the world is foolishness. Even with all of their scientists, professors, intellect, it is foolishness to the thing to the things of God. You want to know why? Because for since the world through all its earthly wisdom failed to recognize God. Amen. And look, if we come over here 
let's see. Do I want to take it down? Okay, let's come down to verse 27 of 1 Corinthians. Because Paul is giving us the edification on the wisdom of God because that is what we should be seeking the wisdom of God and not of this world so verse 27 but God has selected for his purpose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise revealing their ignorance hear that so for all of those who want to puff themselves up in their intellect, God says, but he has selected for his purpose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, revealing their ignorance. And God has selected for his purpose the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. God has selected for his purpose the insignificant base things of the world and the things that are despised and treat <coughs> excuse me and treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing, so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God. Amen. So we can see how pride is dangerous to us. It is dangerous to walk in pride. The Lord is saying so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God, but it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, revealing his plan of salvation and righteousness, making us acceptable to God and sanctification, making us holy and setting us apart for God. And redemption for providing our providing our ransom from the penalty from for, uh, I can't even get this out. Let me start that again. And redemption providing our ransom from the penalty for sin. So then, as it is written <clears throat> in Scripture. He who boasts and glorifies, let them let him boast and glory in the Lord. Amen. And the cross reference to that is Jeremiah 9.24. And we are going to get into Jeremiah 9.24 in a few minutes. Amen. So what is this? about boasting in the Lord. What does it mean to boast in the Lord? Because we know that we should not boast in any of our accomplishments. So Paul is like, if you're going to boast, boast about you being in the Lord. Because 
The phrase boast in the Lord is found in 1 Corinthians 1, 31. We just read that. Where Paul is quoting Jeremiah 9, 24. That says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It may seem strange to think of boasting as good. After all, the word boast means to puff oneself up in speech. And pride is condemned in scripture. But glory be to God. The Lord is telling us what we ought to boast in. Amen. And so look, I want to go to Jeremiah. Okay, 924. But I also want to read it completely out. It says, but let him boast. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. This is the Lord. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Amen. So, like I said, it may seem strange to think of boasting as good because after all, the word boast means to puff oneself up in speech and pride is condemned in scriptures like Proverbs 11.2 that says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Amen. Because Paul is obviously not talking about sinful boasting. The Bible never condones a braggart. Nope. Some preachers have, have twisted the meaning of the phrase, boast in the Lord. Why? To support a misleading message as always with that damnable prosperity gospel, because that phrase is commonly heard today in the Word of Faith movement and the prosperity gospel movement, because often it is quoted from Psalms 34, 2, that says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. And it is used in the context of boasting about worldly possessions or of speaking a miracle into existence because that is what they are all about. Blab it and then grab it. So the idea is that if you have a material need, then you should boast that you already have that need met. Folks, I can't tell you how true that is because for years from 2002 till about maybe 2016, I sat up under that damnable prosperity gospel being led by Creflo. Nope, doctor. Well, excuse me, let us get it right. Huh. A doctor, 
Creflo A. Dollar sitting up under his worldwide ministries being spoon-fed the nonsense that we can have whatever we say and that we can speak whatever we want into existence. Why? Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Okay. Yeah, we fell for the con game, absolutely. And sad to say, it is still going on. So I pray, if anybody that's in the the sphere of my voice and sitting up under any minister that tells you that if you give God money, he will give it back to you, run. Grab your hat, grab your coat, and run for your life, friend. Amen. Because such boasting is, according to them, a proof of faith. So they say. Uh-huh. And and that faith will glorify God as your quote unquote word of confession speaks a blessing into existence. Folks, that that ain't nothing but new age. Who knew? We thought this is what God wanted from us, that he wants to give us the blessing. But if we don't speak it into existence, then he can't do it. That logic puts you, mere mortal, in the driver's seat. And God is just waiting as some helpless hopeless being just a hoping and a praying that you will open up your mouth and speak but by faith okay according to them everything is by faith believe god by faith for that million dollar contract believe god by faith for that great big old house believe god by faith that you will that you will speak into existence the the mate you want as a matter of fact make a list and then confess that list every day and god has to keep his word and bring it into your life you talking about the pride of life you talking about being prideful and boastful that we could shake our fists up at heaven and make God do something and, and, and give us material possessions and, and he has to do it, says who? Not his word, but the, the twisting and the cherry picking of his word from the wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh, you too will believe that God is just waiting patiently for you to open up your mouth and speak it into existence. Okay. Ain't happening, folks. So look. Where was I? Yep. Because this is most decidedly not what David and Paul meant. Absolutely not. Listen, Paul's statement about boasting in the Lord has nothing to do with worldly possessions or, or with altering reality. No, the, the context concerns. Okay. So let's bring it into context here. The context concerns God's ability to glorify 
himself, even in our weakness. When, when called to salvation, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world. Yes, we going over this scripture again. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Amen. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become um, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Amen. So whatever good may come from your ministry, we have no reason to boast because humanly speaking, we are weak, foolish, lowly, and despised. All the glory goes to God and God alone. Check out Isaiah 42, 8. It says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Amen. Folks, true boasting. Because we are talking about the pride of life. Because John over there in 1 John chapter 2 was telling us, do not love this world. And, <clears throat> and he went on to say how for all that is in the world is the lust of the, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And people don't realize that that they are in pride and don't even know it. Because Lord willing, the next episode, I'm going to give y'all 50 things that you don't, you didn't even realize that you were in pride. And that is why we must examine where we are in the faith. Because, because what you may think is just simple ambition wanting to please God or wanting to do a good job. But if we look at the heart of the matter, what really is the true motivation for all that we do? So Lord willing, the next episode, I'm going to give y'all 50 things about pride that you may or may not have known that you are in. And folks, let us not be mistaken. No prideful, boastful person is going to inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Because true boasting in the Lord is actually boasting of the Lord. Boasting, boasting of his great attributes. Boasting of what he has done for us of what he is still doing and of what he has promised to do. Amen. Because Jeremiah 9, 23 was talking about, thus says the Lord, 
Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. And then he goes on to tell us, <clears throat> what we are to boast in because it's not boasting in our own wisdom. It is not boasting in our own strength. It is not about boasting about how rich we are. No, we are to boast that we understand and know the living God, that he is the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things, the Lord declares, this is what he delight. <clears throat> excuse me, my, I apologize, my throat. But these are the things that he delights in. Amen. So, what is the pride of life? Like, what is it? Mm -hmm. Because, we have the un we do have the understanding that the pride of life is all about showing off your accomplishments what you have achieved what you have gathered and garnered from this world whether it be a, a title a status um some kind of world best title some kind of material possession that you believe just because it costs so much money that people should look at you with jealousy and now you all puffed up and conceited so what is the pride of life because we see this phrase it is found only once in the bible and that is that that is in first john 2 16 right but the concept of the pride of life, especially as it is linked with the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, appears in two more significant passages of scripture. The temptation of Eve in the garden and the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. And we see that over there in Matthew chapter 4 verses 8 through 10 the pride of life can be defined as anything that is of the world yeah yep anything that is of the world meaning anything that leads to arrogance being wanting to be a show-off mm -hmm. pride in yourself presumption and boasting. John makes it clear that anything that produces the pride of life comes from a love of the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And we see that in 1 John 2.15. Amen. The, the first example of the temptation of the pride of life occurs in the Garden of Eden 
where Eve was tempted by the serpent to disobey God and eat the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Eve perceived that the fruit was good for food, pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. And we see that in Genesis 3, 6. She coveted the fruit in three ways. In three ways, she coveted that piece of fruit. First, it was appealing to her appetite. This John refers to as the lust of the flesh. The desire for that which satisfies any of the physical needs. The fruit was also pleasing or delightful to the eye. That which we see and desire to own or possess. Here is the lust of the eyes John refers to. And finally, Eve somehow perceived that the fruit would make her wise, giving her a wisdom beyond her own. Part of Satan's lie was that eating the fruit would make her like God, knowing good and evil. And we see that in Genesis 3, 5. The first lie ever told to a human being went down in the Garden of Eden. When Satan said to Eve, you shall surely not die. That was the first lie ever told to a human being, folks. So, here is the essence of the pride of life. Anything that exalts us above our station and offers the illusion of God-like qualities, wherein we boast in arrogance and worldly wisdom, because Eve wanted to be like God in her knowledge, not content to live in a perfect world under his perfect grace and care for her, because Satan tried these same three temptations on Christ Jesus during his 40 days in the wilderness. And we can check all of that out in Matthew 4 verses 1 through 11. Because he tempted our Lord with the lust of the flesh. Bread for his hunger. We see this, we see this in verses 2 and 3 of Matthew 4. The lust of the eyes. Because he said, all the kingdoms of the world with their splendor. And that's another thing that Satan tried to tempt our Lord with. And we see that in verses 8 through 9 of Matthew 4. And he tempted Jesus with the pride of life. By, by daring him to cast himself from the roof of the temple in order to prove that he was the Messiah by this great big old showing display of power that was not in the will of God or his plan for the redemption of mankind. And we see that in verses 5 through 6 
of Matthew 4. But Jesus, our Lord, though he was tempted in every way, just as we are, because we see that in Hebrews 4.15, resisted the devil and used the word of God to ensure victory over him. Amen. And so we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ have always been and will always be lured by the same three temptations Eve and our Lord experienced. Uh-huh. Satan doesn't change his methods. Why? He don't have to because it's working right now, present day. It is still working. He tempts us with the lust of the flesh, which is sexual gratification, gluttony, excessive alcohol consumption, drugs, both legal and illegal as well as the deeds of the flesh. Because over there in, in Galatians, Paul, Paul warned us of the works of the flesh, which, is, which are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. We see this in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Amen. And he tempts us with the lust of the eyes, the endless accumulation of stuff, with which with which we will fill our homes and garages and the insatiable desire for more, better, and newer possessions, which ensnares us and and hardens our hearts to the things of God. Yes, so can't we see just how dangerous walking in the pride of life is? But his most, his most evil temptation is the pride of life. The very sin that resulted in Satan's expulsion from heaven. He desired to be God, not to be a servant of God. Because we see in Isaiah 14 verses 12 to 15, it says, how you, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the, the nations low. You said in your heart, I, folks, if you ever want to know what pride looks like, here we go. Verse 13 of Isaiah 14. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly and the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. 
I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Amen. Glory be to God because pride is exactly what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Amen. And so the arrogant person, the arrogant boasting, which constitutes the pride of life, motivates the other to lust as it seeks to elevate itself above all others and fulfill all personal desires. It is, my friend, the root cause of strife in families, churches, and nations. Why? Because it exalts the self in direct contradiction to Jesus' statement Statement that those who follow him must take up their cross, which is which is an, an instrument of death and deny themselves. Amen. The pride of life stands in our way if we if we truly seek to be servants of God because Jesus told us you cannot serve two masters folks you cannot be serving Satan and serving God it ain't going to happen it has never happened glory be to God so it is the arrogance that that separates us from others and limits our effectiveness in the kingdom of God. The pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Amen. And as such, it is passing away with the world. But those who resist and overcome the temptation of the pride of life do the will of God. And the man who does the will of God lives forever. Amen. And we see that in 1 John 2, 17. Glory be to God. So what am I saying after all of that? What am I saying? I'm saying that God hates pride. God hates pride and we must learn to hate what God hates and to love what he loves. Yeah, so how much do you hate pride? Because just like with sin, with any sin, God hates sin. And you too must hate it as well. And that is where repentance comes into play. Because you must change the way you think. You must stop. Think. And then turn and go the other way. You must hate sin just as much as God does. Because let us not be mistaken. He hates sin and he hates the one who stays in blatant, rebellious, deliberate, willful sin. Amen. And so 
The Bible says in Proverbs 8.13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Amen. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Amen. Proverbs 16.5. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Amen. I keep telling y'all, God ain't playing with that lake of fire. Proverbs 16.18. Pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall. Amen. Folks, God is not out to hurt your pride. He is out to kill your pride. Amen. Folks, pride is serious and you must take it serious because God is opposed to the proud. You don't want God as your opponent. Trust and believe. Look, James 4, 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 5. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen. So we could walk around here as if the moon rise and shine on our behalf if we want to. Listen, God will push you away. Luke 14, 11, for everyone who exalts, who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalt, will be exalted. Amen. Because folks, we must realize and recognize that in this kingdom, in the kingdom of God, the last shall be the first and the first shall be the last. Amen. Listen, my friend, the way up is the way down. Completely the opposite of the world. We must humble ourselves and we will be exalted. Exalt yourself and you will be humbled. Oh yeah, you do not want the chastening of the Lord upon you because you believe you are the end all that be all. No, humility. That's the key word of the day, folks. Humility. Listen, you must be humble. (laughs) Okay, stop it. Humility is critical to receiving God's grace. Mm-hmm. Proverbs eleven two. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with 
Humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honor. You hear that? With humility comes before honor. You, you want honor from the Lord, then you must be low, 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 down to the ground. It's not about you trying to be the, the, the center of the spotlight. No. Uh-uh. Proverbs 18, 12. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. See, Proverbs 29, 23. Folks, if you ever want to know how to get rid of a pride, study the book of Proverbs because it, t- it makes wonderful contrast between the humble and the proud. Oh, yeah. Proverbs 29:23 A man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly see lowly lowly spirit gains honor. Listen, it is nothing weak about being a humbled person because some may say, "Well, I don't want anyone to take advantage of me." Really? So you must want to stay on that broad way, going to hell with all of your pride and anger, right? Rethink that, my friend. Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. For this is what the high and lofty one says, talking about the Lord. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Amen. That's the, excuse me, that's the heart that God lives in. God does not reside in the heart of a prideful person. No, but of one who is lowly in spirit and lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. That's where the Lord resides. First Peter 5, 6 Humble yourselves. Listen, this is a command. This is not a motivational speech. This is not a feel-good message about not being prideful. This is a command. Meaning, if you don't do it, it's sin. Yes, you are breaking God's commands. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And that's the problem. Nobody got any patience. Everybody wants to be high and lifted up right now. It ain't your time to be high and lifted up right now. And that's the problem. Isaiah Isaiah 23, 9, the Lord Almighty planned it 
to bring low the pride of all glory and to humble all who are renowned on the earth. Yeah, so all of these star-studded celebrities and all of these um, giants of, of, of industries and, and businesses that make billions of dollars in technology, automobile, finances, uh, the arts, all of that. Y'all will be brought low down to the ground if you don't repent. God resists the proud in order to show them their need of him. This is for his glory. It results in his glory. Amen. So let's look at, because we about to wrap this up, folks. Let, let us look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. This is Paul. To keep me from being conceited. See, we can put a period right there because Paul, whatever Paul says next, this is why. Because it was to keep him from being conceited from being arrogant and boastful and prideful. So Paul is about to tell us what the Lord did to him so that he don't become conceited and prideful. Why? Because Paul tells us a story about a man. And from study, it all appears that Paul himself was caught up to the third heavens. And he had wonderful face-to-face conversations with Jesus. Jesus revealed to him mystery plans. And so he, he, he also went on to say about how he heard things that he cannot repeat. He heard things in heaven that he cannot repeat because so God did something to him so that he don't get himself puffed up now could you imagine man on this earth they get puffed up with just a little bit of wisdom could you imagine hearing from jesus lips face to face of all that wisdom can't you see how you would get puffed up when in the natural you get puffed up when you get an associate's degree okay so look to keep me from being conceited, thank you, Holy Spirit, because of these surpassing great revelations, there, there was given me a thorn in my flesh. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what that thorn is, but Paul gives us some indication of what it was, right? Because he's saying that, God allowed this to happen to him so that he don't become conceited from all of that surpassing great revelations that he had received from Jesus and from the Father. So there were giving me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So 
We have some insight, right? A messenger of Satan to torment Paul because three times Paul said, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Amen. So therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. I love that. I love that scripture. Folks, we must, we must change the source of our lives. Because if it's not the Father, it gots to go. Yep, it has to go. So, so now, real quick, and this is going to be the close. Let us see what humility is not. Because a lot of people walk around with, with false humility all the time. Take, for instance, Gandhi, who was a Hindu devil worshiper. He was the one that coined the phrase, God, God loves the sinner, but hates the sin. God never says that. <clears throat> that is contrary to everything God says in his word about the wicked. So, Gandhi liked to do these fasts. He had all of this media attention. He will look famished, skeletal, looking very pious, looking very uh, humble. All that was for show. It was for show. And I don't care what the world say and, and, and whom they honor as someone who is doing the right thing, who is clearly close to God. No, Jesus told us that when you fast, don't look gaunt like like don't don't look like you haven't had a meal. He says, wash your face, put some lotion on, clean up. People don't have to know that you are on a fast. That's how you know when they do this in front of the cameras, it is worldly. It is not spiritual of God at all because Jesus told us to do the opposite. We are those in the world who goes on these fasts. They make sure they wear clothing that's either dripping off of them or just a barely little piece of rag so that you can see their rib, their rib bones and their rib cage just poking through their skin. No, that's for sure. So let's see what humility is not. Number one, humility is not denying the gifts and graces God has given you. Nope, it is important to know what you are gifted in. Realize you are called to help and serve others. Yeah, amen, because some people believe, well, 
well, I know God called me to, to be a preacher, but no, I won't do that. I'd rather be, you know, a janitor. I'd rather be a janitor in the church because, no, I'm, I'm not, I, I just can't do it. I don't feel worthy enough. Folks, stop it. Stop it. You have to understand how it is important to know that you are gifted. You are gifted in the call of God. So that is not humility. You denying the gifts and the gifts and graces that God has given you. Folks, humility is not putting yourself down. It is not being sober in your assessment and walking in the knowledge of God's grace. It is using what God has given you for his glory. Amen. Number two, humility is not a lack of direction, desire, and godly ambition. Mm -mm. It is not wrong to want to be used of God or, or advance in the kingdom of God. God wants to use you to do great things for him. God is not glorified by a losing or defeatist mentality. So stop it. Amen. Number three, humility is not denying the work of God within you or in your church. Nope. Number four, humility is not the pursuit of mediocrity. Nope. It's not about you just, you know, just wanting to stay in, in the middle, not doing much, not doing great. I'm just going to be humble. No, that is not humility. You should pursue excellence, but not with the motivation of calling attention to yourself or trying to impress people. Humility allows you to enjoy the gifts of God without trying to impress others. Amen. Because therefore that will be a fake humility. Number five, humility is not denying or backing away from the truth. Amen. You are called to be righteous and humble. You are responsible to speak the truth in love without being self-righteously critical. Amen. Get the plank out of your eye before you go for your brother's speck, folks. Easy. Because, friend, pride is deceptive. The devil does not come up to us with the red flag and tell us we are proud. Look, Jeremiah 49, 16 says, The terror you inspire and the pride of your heart have deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rocks, who occupy the heights of the hill, though you build your nest as high as the eagles, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Amen. Folks, we need help. We need help to see the fruits of pride in our lives. Amen. Proverbs 16, 2. All a man's ways seem 
innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Amen. Uh-huh. Proverbs 21, uh, 2. All a man's ways seems right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. Amen. Folks, let us let me close <clears throat> with what I opened up with. Because today is all about recognizing what is the pride of life, what it looks like, what it means, and what does humility truly means. Because again, the takeaway from today is that we who are in Christ, we make ourselves of no reputation. Our master made himself of no reputation. Therefore, we follow the example. We don't put on a show. We don't, we don't make a big splash about our giving. We don't make a big splash about how we, how we are fasting. We're not throwing ashes on us, walking around in sackcloth, looking like we haven't had a meal in six months. No, Jesus says, fix yourself up. <clears throat> Clean yourself up. Put on some, some lotion on your face. Wash your face. Don't walk around here trying to look all, all pious and, and humble. No, stop it. So... Let us close with 1 John, 1 John 2, starting at verse 15. Do not love or cherish the world, all the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh craving for sensual gratification, and the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And the world, by the way, passes away folks we cannot we can we cannot put our trust in the stability of earthly things that means that means things like jobs our our bank accounts our our uh, 401k's we can't put our trust in our retirement savings we can't put our trust in earthly things, believing that those things are stable. History, world history has shown mankind that it can drop in a minute. The crash of what, 1929? Do we dare mention the whole pandemic, quote unquote pandemic, right? Things change in the blink of an eye. One minute you are working for the past 15 years, the next minute you are not. One minute you got a nice car to drive, next minute you don't because you got into a car crash. One minute you, you are married and successful in business, then the next minute you are not. 
And that is why people commit suicide. That is why people take all kinds of, of antidepressants. That's why people drink and use drugs. That's why people go to um, psychiatrists and, and therapists. Because their world that they created suddenly crashed and burned. And they can't handle that. Folks, let me help you out. If you are a child of God, we sit on no one's therapeutic couch. Man cannot help your soul. We need to go to the one who created the soul. Our Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. So, the world passes away and disappears, and with it, the forbidden cravings, the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides, remains forever. Because, folks, at the end of the day, Isaiah 50 Isaiah 50 verses 10 to 11 shuts everything down. With you walking in the pride of your life, you want to walk by your education, by your wisdom, by, by your contacts and contracts. You want to walk by all the plans that you come up for with, that you came up with for your life. Okay, again, Isaiah 50, look what it says. Who is among you who fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Yet who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust and be confident in the name, <clears throat> excuse me, in the name of the Lord and let him rely on his God. Amen. Listen, the Lord is telling us when you don't have wisdom, when, when you are walking in darkness about a particular thing, you don't take your life in your hands. You don't make plans for your life. What, what we do is that we rely and trust and be confident in the name of the Lord and rely on our God. Wait. Be patient. Be humbled. Stop trying to get, a, get ahead of God. Verse 11. Listen carefully. All you who kindle your own fire. Listen, folks. Carefully. All you who kindle your own fire, devising your own man-made plan of salvation, who surround yourselves with torches, walk by the light of your self-made fire and among the torches that you have set ablaze. God is like, go, go on. 
Since, since you want to go on and get ahead of me, you ain't listening to me. You all puffed up in your pride. You all puffed up in your, in your, uh, education, all of your master's degrees, bachelor's degrees, doctorate. You are Dr. So-and-so. You are the best singer, the best actor. You, you are the, um, the best-selling author of all time, and you you carved out this niche for yourself apart from God. You believe you got this? The Lord is like, so go. Go on. But this is what you can expect from my hand. He says, but this you will have from my hand. You will lie down in a place of torment. Torment, folks. So, yeah, yeah, that will most certainly sober us all up and keep us out of pride. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, thank you so much for today's lesson. It was an eye opener. We must stay out of the pride of life. Father, is a reason why you told us to not love this world. Everything that's in this world will lead us straight to a burning hell. Oh, it may look good. Oh, it may feel good. Oh, it may give us some false sense of security because we got that we got that contract. We got that promotion. We we finally married the man or woman of, of our dreams. We we finally got the two point five kids and the dog and the and the big old house with the white picket fence. And for what? To to have not repented of the pride of life and then we lift our eyes in a burning hell, Father, it was so it will so not be worth it. Jeremiah was right. Paul was right. When your Holy Spirit moved on them to write down that what we boast in, we boast in the Lord. We don't boast in what we have. We don't boast about how smart we are, how pretty we are, how, how educated we are, how strong we are, how rich we are. Nope. We don't boast in any of that. We boast in the fact that we know our Lord and that he sent Jesus to reconcile us back to himself. And that going forward, once we repented, our sins are forgiven. We walk in obedience to you, Father, and we follow Jesus being led by the Spirit of Christ. Amen. So, Father, I give you all the glory. I give you all the praise and all my worship. You have my public, total allegiance. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. Another one in the can. Repent and believe Stop sinning because bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Amen. 
Amen. All right, folks. Lord willing, until next time, I shall be I shall be speaking to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.